Amen. You know, I don't know if you've noticed, but there seems to be a lot of controversy in the body of Christ. Um, it's actually been that way for a long, long time. I remember back in, in 1973 when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, there was a lot of controversy about it. I mean, people were either for it or against it, and there were a lot of people against it. I remember there was controversy when somebody raised their hands in church to worship. I mean, that was very controversial, and people, I mean, there were a lot of people who did not like it, and if you said, well, depending on what kind of church you went to, if you said amen out loud, I mean, that was very controversial. Uh, I mean, if you said you'd pray for a parking place, you got thrown out of the church. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, but I remember when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, some people were saying, of course, that you got all the Holy Spirit when you got the new birth. I mean, they said there, there's no such thing as that. You get it all when, you're, when you uh, get born again. Some people were saying, well, it's not for today. And they said there's no need for us to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit because we had the Bible. And, uh, you know, then all of a sudden I got the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And there was no more argument for me. I mean, they, they, said, they said that you weren't, that tongues was not for today. I remember somebody telling me, my, I, I know who it was, they said that tongues was from the devil. And I remember thinking, you know, I had been to bars before. And people had been drunk in there, and they'd been telling dirty jokes, and they'd been saying bad things, but never did I hear anyone speak in tongues. And I felt like that the bar was from the devil, probably, rather than the speaking in tongues. And it was very controversial, but one day I started speaking in tongues, and it wasn't controversial to me anymore. I mean, there, today there's controversy over whether or not the power of God is available. Miracles exist today. I mean, people think, I mean, they truly think that we don't need miracles because we have the Bible. I mean, I'm thinking because we have the Bible, we need to know there are miracles. I mean, to me, it's the opposite thing. They think that Jesus did miracles simply to prove that he was the Son of God and that miracles don't exist anymore. He did that to prove he was the Son of God. Even though he didn't call himself the Son of God, he called himself the Son of Man. Some people believe that miracles passed away. When the last apostle passed away. Well, if you've ever experienced a miracle, you know that's not true. I mean, the moment you see a miracle, the moment you experience a miracle. In fact, truly, the moment you get born again, it's a miracle. And so it couldn't, it couldn't have been, they couldn't have passed away. You know, I know people who argue about whether or not it's the will of God for people to prosper. I mean, they get mad about it. I read an article from MSNBC this week, and it was decrying the fact that preachers make a lot of money. And it listed, I mean, it started listing dozens of preachers. And some of them, I mean, some of them made a half a million dollars a year. I mean, they were mad about that. And I'm thinking, you know, I remember always thinking that, that, the, that the preachers, you know, they need to stay poor and humble. And, and the Lord can keep them humble, and the church can keep them poor. Well, that's not what God has in mind. God intends to bless His people. He intends to bless them. You know, I've heard people say, well, you know, they shouldn't have money. The money should be given to the poor. I always think people who say that money, the money should be given to the poor, I wonder how much they're giving to the poor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I remember there, somebody in the Bible said that. They said it should have been sold and given to the poor. Remember who said that? Yeah, Judas Iscariot said that. Okay, so, you know, that's kind of a, a weird thing. Some people even think that the subject of faith 
is controversial. I mean, they think that's a very controversial thing. Pastor Jackie preached a great message Sunday on faith. And some people would have found that to be very controversial. You know, one time I preached a message on faith, and this guy came up to me, and he said, he said, you know, I just think we need more balance. You need to preach balance with that faith. And I said, okay, what do you balance faith with? Unbelief? <laughs> I mean, the Scripture says that we live by faith. It says we walk by faith. It says faith is the substance of things we hope for. The things we're hoping for are made out of faith. It's the evidence of what we can't see. It's the channel of grace for the new birth. I mean, the scripture says it's the victory that overcomes the world system and gains the kingdom of God for us. I mean, what, what would be wrong with any of that? And yet people find that controversial. Well, we've been talking about healing for several weeks that I've been teaching. And that's controversial to people because they've had an experience that seems to contradict the idea that God would heal people today. They, 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 they get upset when you say things like, it's the will of God to heal people. It bothers them. I mean, especially when you teach what we've been teaching here about how that, that, that healing is a part of the redemption package that came when Jesus shed his blood for us. And I thought about that this week. I thought, why is there all this controversy? Why? It seems like since I really began to walk with Jesus, before I was raised, I think I've told you this, uh, we said we were Baptists, but pretty much we were North American heathen. And, and uh, I mean, we were banking on the once saved, always saved deal. I'm just going to tell you that right now. But there wasn't any controversy as long as we weren't really serving God. But when you begin to serve the Lord and you get around church people, sometimes it gets very controversial. And I began to, I began to think, why would that be? Why is there so much controversy? And I, I think it's this. I think the devil wants us to have to choose a side and refuse to study whole portions of Scripture. You know, if you if you if, if the baptism in the Holy Spirit is controversial to you, you will absolutely stay away from whole portions of Scripture. I mean, you won't even turn to them. There will never be a sermon on them. I mean, they'll stay away from Joel. They'll stay away from Acts chapter two, and they'll all kinds of things. You see, we need to recognize that 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 the controversy is so. That, that we'll stay away from it. People who don't believe in healing, they don't believe it's for people today, they'll ignore everything we've been studying for the past five times I've taught. They'll ignore it. They won't even look at it. The devil is, is trying to steal these kinds of truths. So he creates the controversy over subject matter or over the person teaching it. So we won't ever look at it. I think we need to make sure that if we have a controversy with something, that we look at the Word of God and find out what it says. I've told you about the time I was listening to a, a tape in my car. This was a long time ago. And I mean, this guy, he, his grammar was terrible. He, he talked like he was mad. And he was talking about the Lord wanting to heal people. And he made me so mad. 
Instead of turning off the tape, I listened to it all the way. I took, dropped the tape off in Plainview and went back to Amarillo. Instead of turning it off, I listened to it all the way home. And when I, by the time I got home, I said to myself, I am going to prove he is wrong. I'm going to get in the Bible and I'm going to prove he is wrong. Because what he's saying cannot be true. Well, by the time I spent the next hour trying to prove him wrong, I found out he was right. It made me mad still, but I knew that what he said was right. And so I had never studied it before because I just didn't think it could be true. So we need to be people who take the word, whatever it says, and let that be our guide. Not my experience, not your experience. What does the Bible say? And not, 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 the, not what does it say one time. What does, what's the preponderance of Scripture say about a subject? You see, we need to find it out. What does it say? So we've been talking about healing, so we're going to talk about it a little bit more tonight if you can handle it some more. Actually, we're going to, if I'm going to teach, we're going to talk about it for the next four or five times even more. We began talking, using Scripture out of Luke 5.15 and 6.17, where it basically says the people came together to hear and to be healed by Jesus. We connected the fact that there is hearing and healing, that the two things go hand in hand. The problem with healing is that most of us don't spend enough time hearing. Okay, we spend enough time hoping, but not hearing. We need to be people who are hearing. We've seen that it's more than just the audible sensation regarding what we hear. Jesus said to take heed what you hear and how you hear. We need to be people who hear a certain way. We learned we must receive the word. Receive the word. I ran across this this week in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, Acts chapter 8, verse 14, and Acts chapter 17, 11. The Bible speaks of those who received the word. When they received the word... It, it, it subsequently took hold for them of the miracle power that was connected to the Word when they received it. They heard it more than just with their ears. They heard the Word with their hearts, and they received the Word. But then in Acts chapter 7, verse 51, it speaks of those who resist the Holy Spirit. They resisted the Holy Spirit by resisting the word that Stephen preached to them regarding Jesus. They became angry at this word preached and they missed the opportunity to know God as they murdered Stephen because they resisted the word. You see, one of the most important things in life that we need to figure out is what to receive and what to resist. Sometimes we receive what the world is telling us, which causes us to resist what God is telling us. Listen, we need to receive the Word, even the parts of the Word that we don't like, even the parts of the Word that irritate us. You know, we are raised a certain way, and we have a certain predisposition toward things, but we need to find out, is it, is it my religion or is it the Word? Which one is it? What is it that I have? We must learn to resist the devil. Resist anything that contradicts the word, no matter how much sense it makes or no matter how religious it is. Receive the word. Resist the devil. You know this verse, James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I really like that verse. Flee means to run away quickly. To leave quickly. When we resist him, as we submit to God, we resist him and he flees. When we know what to resist, he flees. 
when we encounter a thought, a feeling, or even a theology that contradicts the word. We need to resist it. Don't, don't receive it. I like this verse in John 1.12. This, by the way, is my, in my opinion, is the theme of the whole book of, of the Gospel of John. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. To them that received him. We've looked at that word received in our studies recently, and we found out that word literally means took. As many as took him, gave he power. Taking Jesus, reception of him, he's the word, provides us with the power to have all that the word promises us. Taking it, receiving it. We've read this verse before, or since I'm in spirit filled, we've read this a lot. It says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such to turn away. Here, this is talking about religion. But later in that very same chapter, it says of those people, it says these also resist the truth. They didn't know what to resist. And so in the process of, of instead of receiving the truth, they resisted it, and then they became religious rather than having a relationship with God. We know that the woman with the issue of blood, that she heard, the Bible says, she heard of Jesus. Now, more than just hearing it audibly, she heard about him with her heart. And you know the story, thousands were touching Jesus. And she said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. Thousands were touching him. And she finally reached out, grabs the hem of his garment. Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? And they said, are you kidding, Jesus? Everybody's touching you. And he said, no, no, somebody touched me with a touch of faith. And that power was released because of what she believed. She chose to receive the word and the power was released. Let me just say this. All power is either released or withheld based on the conductor. Wood is not a very good conductor of electricity. On the other hand, copper is a really good one. I mean, it'll conduct it well. Where there's a lack of resistance, the power is released. In this room tonight, there is all kinds of electricity flowing. And yet, there, there are in the room all, all kinds of resistant substances that make it so that we're protected from the harm that the electricity would cause. But... There are resistant substances. Faith in the word of God, believing what God said, is the conductor of his power. It will conduct it. Where there is low resistance, power is, is received or sent forth. I mean, there are conductors, and then there are superconductors. A superconductor has no resistance. I want to be a superconductor. I want to come to the place in my life where I mean there is just no resistance to the word, no resistance to what God wants. But that comes as we meditate in the word, as we hear it again and again and again. Our problem sometimes is that we hear all of the resisting evidence instead of what the word says. We listen to well, this person didn't get well, or well, this didn't work. We need to begin to put the word into our hearts so we can become receivers and superconductors of supernatural power. We need to decide, all right, the Bible teaches us that he is 
Jehovah Rapha. And we've been reading that verse, Exodus 15:26 for weeks. He said, For I am the Lord that healeth thee. He didn't say I was. He said I am. He cannot and will not change. He still is. I am healer. I am the cure. I am Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah is I am that I am that I am. Somebody asked me one time, they said, I am what? Well, I am too much to say. I mean, he is so much. Whatever he said he is, he is. He said, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am healer. We looked in Jeremiah 17, 14. He said, heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me and I shall be saved, for thou art my praise. We've discovered there's a connection between hearing and healing. There's a connection between healing and forgiveness. That they're part of the same package. We've seen it over and over throughout the weeks. We found in, in, in Psalm 103, the scripture says, of the benefits of God, begins to list them. It says, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities and healeth all thy diseases. Let me say something. You can't hear that verse too many times. Well, I've heard that one before. No, no, you can't hear it too many times. We, we need to begin to be people who say, All right, you forgive me of all my iniquities. You heal me of all my diseases. We need to make sure we champion what he has said. Healing and forgiving are part of the same package with God. He heals all. He forgives all. If he doesn't forgive all, he won't heal all. But if he doesn't heal all, he won't forgive all. He does it all. And we need to put that in our hearts. We have too much resistance built up because of wrong teaching, because of people's experience, because we base faith on what we see rather than what did God actually say. And, and, and that causes people to miss out on this. I mean, we saw in the New Testament, Jesus said regarding healing and forgiveness, he said, which is easier? They're the same. We need to understand that, that, that he, they're both easy to him. Neither is more difficult. We saw that as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so Jesus was lifted up. And all who looked at the serpent, they had been bitten, they were healed, and they were forgiven. And the scripture teaches us that when we look to Jesus, have that intent gaze to him, the gaze of faith, we're forgiven and we're healed. And we saw that in the scripture. We've seen that Jesus healed all these people, not to prove that he was the son of God, I mean, he, he healed some people indoors. He healed some people and said, don't tell anybody. He wasn't trying to prove he was the Son of God. He healed them. Because, and the Scripture told us why. Because he had compassion. Because he had mercy. He is not less compassionate today. He's not less merciful today. Every person in the New Testament that came to Jesus for healing was healed. Not one time did the Bible say, Oh, it's not your lucky day. They told Bartimaeus that when Jesus called him. They said, hey, it's your lucky day. He's calling you. And Bartimaeus was like, luck, nothing. I've been calling to him. But Jesus healed them all every single time. He healed whole multitudes of people. All of them, the Bible says. He healed them all. There wasn't one unlucky person in the whole group. He healed them all every time because he had mercy on them. So tonight, let's just look a little more at this, at this subject. We know in Acts 10.38, the Bible says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. 
Let me just point out a couple of things here. Healing is good. Jesus did good and healed all. That's a good thing. I don't understand where the controversy is. The anointing on Jesus, which by the way, 1 John says we have that same anointing abiding inside of us. The anointing does good, heals all. And it delivered people that were oppressed of the devil. Sickness is never from God. It's from the devil. God is not going to give you sickness to teach you a lesson. I don't know where that ever came from. Oh, the Lord is teaching you something with this. Would you do that to your child? I think I'll give you the mumps to teach you a lesson. Are you kidding me? No parent in their right mind would do that. Our Father is a loving, perfect Father. The sickness is from the devil. I mean, this, this is important for us to realize. God was with Jesus, and Jesus is doing the healing. He wasn't healing against the will of God because God made them sick. It was never the will of God for them to be sick. So I want us to look. I'm, I'm going to read you a verse of Scripture. And I may, I, I may kick a sacred cow. Is that okay? <laughs> there are lots of sacred cows in the church, and I may kick one tonight. So just be ready. If you hear mooing in the distance, you'll know that's what I did. Here, here, last time when we, when, we, when we taught, we asked a question about the will of God. And so I'm going to try to answer that a little bit in this, but that's really not my point here. But I want you to see something. Ephesians 3.20. I love this verse. It says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Isn't that a great verse of Scripture? Man, I love that. It's a promise. It says God is able. I've heard some great sermons about God is able. I mean, I've, I've heard preachers preach, and I've probably been one of them, about God is able. You get people so stirred up. God is able. God is able. God is able. Let me ask you this. Is there a question about his ability? Has there ever been a question about his ability? God is able. Listen, there's no question there. The only question is, is will he? Not can he, because we know he can. We know he is able. The problem Christians grapple with is, will he? Oh, I can already hear the cow starting to bellow just a little bit. I'm going to read the verse again. I want you to notice something. There's a contingency here on this ability of God being released. Listen to it. Now, unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. God is able, but what releases the ability? The power that works in us. There's a power in us that releases this supernatural ability of God that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. But it's a power that's in us. The power, of course, is the manifestation of his word by the Holy Spirit as we believe what he said. 
I mean, that's the power. Okay? But it says that the power is released according to how much it's working in us. The little phrase according to in the Greek is the Greek word kata. K-A-T-A is how we spell it in English. Kata. The word kata means down specifically, but generally it means much more than that. The word kata has to do with a downward force, something that is subjugating, dominating, and conquering. It's talking about inside of us, there is something that is subjugating, conquering, and overcoming everything that disagrees with what God said. The word, the word has to do with this. It has to do with, 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 with something that is forceful and dominating. The power must be that that has force and dominates us on the inside so it can be released. The power that works in me is when what the Word of God says dominates everything else in me. Now that takes more than reading a verse one time. I get accused of this sometimes. Well, yeah, you're just talking about works. No, I'm talking about faith. That's what Pastor Jackie preached Sunday morning. You got to stay with it. You got to you got to stay with the word. You, no matter what you see, hear, taste, touch, or smell, you stay with the word. The word kata has nothing to do with being passive. It's not. It's not this. Oh, this has nothing to do with me. It's just God doing it for me. No, no, it's an active release of God's supernatural ability by faith in his promise. It's saying, all right, that's what you said. I know this isn't what you said around me, but I believe what you said. You know, I know something. The facts change all the time, but the truth is the same forever. I mean, the fact today may be my body's in pain. The truth is he heals all. He forgives all. You see, we've been taught to believe that if you just believe that God is able. No, 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 there's more than he's able. You've got to be a fool not to believe he's able. Everybody knows he's able. But there's more than that. Listen to this passage of Scripture. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. The passage says that God is able. Listen, we've got to know God's able. I mean, you've got to know that. But the Bible demonstrates that knowing that he's able is not the basis of our faith. Here's the cow. I'm going to kick it hard right now. The phrase, God is able, does not produce faith in your heart. That's a gimme right there. He's God. He's got to be able. My question is, is he willing the verse I just read declares that God is able to make all grace abound toward us, but it's contingent on an act of faith regarding giving. It goes right above it. It says that as we give, it's given to us. It talks about how that we have to, we can either give stingily or we can give with great abundance, and that's how we're going to receive. All right? It's based on us giving by faith. It's connected to the giver that gives liberally with a cheerful heart. Now grace can be released. All grace. We know from other studies we've done that grace is the will of God for our lives no matter what. And that faith is the channel that grace moves through. Because we are saved by grace through faith. So, so the, God is able. But the ability is received as we believe him 
in faith. In that passage, we see that principle of faith that draws grace for abundance. Think about this one. And Jesus, looking upon them, said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Man, I know that's true, but just because it's possible doesn't mean that it's going to come. Here's what people think. Well, everything's possible with God, and so maybe it might come to me because I'm one of the lucky ones this week. It's connected to what Jesus said in the previous chapter. He said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Now, he, Jesus is talking about something different. He, he, he didn't say that all things are possible to those that believe God is able. Jesus is connecting. The context has to do with him with, with believing that the things that are only possible from God are possible when we believe specifically that God will do what he said. The disciples... The disciples couldn't cast the demon out. The, young, the man says to Jesus, if you can help us, do something. And Jesus said, if I can help you, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes, specifically that the demon would come out of the young man. He's talking about, he's talking about specifically believing something. Mark 11 says, And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. Now, i just got to say this. I've said it before. The, the little phrase, this is what Jackie preached from Sunday morning, but the little phrase, have faith in God, if, if, if it literally said faith in God, it would say, in the Greek, it would say pistis en theo. It doesn't say that. It says pistis theou. The word in theo is in God. The word theou means God's, G-O-D apostrophe S. So what this says is, it says, Jesus answering said to them, have God's faith. Have, have the faith of God. He says, For verily I say to you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, What things whatever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive, and you shall have. God's faith speaks what it believes, and speaks that only. All right, we've taught that we must believe and receive. Now, let me get to this, this passage. Well, God is able. I just have to believe God is able. Well, listen to this. It says in James 2:19, Thou believest that there is one God, thou dost well. The devils also believe and tremble. Can I say something to you? Believe in God's God is able alone. The devil believes that. We need to move beyond devil faith. To believer faith. I mean, if you if you if you went up to any demon and you said, "Hey, do you believe God is able?" I know He's able. I know He's able. The complete Jewish Bible reads that verse this way: "You believe that God is one, good for you. The demons believe it too. The thought makes them shudder with fear. God is able. Listen, I'm not I'm not saying He's not. He is. He is able to do exceeding above all we could ever ask, hope, or even think." God is able. The question we have to ask ourselves about faith is, do we believe He will? Do I believe He will do what He said in the Bible? Do I believe that healing and, and forgiveness are the same to Him? Do I believe they're both easy? Do I believe that He forgives all, that He heals all? God is able. I mean, that's factual. It's wonderful. But it doesn't produce faith to believe. we got to believe more than He's able. We must believe that He will. Remember the leper came to him in Mark chapter 1? He said, 
If you will, I know you can. Make me whole. Jesus, I think Jesus did what he did. That guy to probably what he does to me sometimes. He goes, I will. I will. Be thou clean. That's the will. That's the will of God. Now, God isn't up in heaven making a mark every time you mess up. Let me just say that to you. He wants more than anything for us to come to the place that we believe him with all of our hearts. I've said this lots of times over the years. Faith begins where the will of God is known. I'm going to tell you, tonight I am able to give each one of you $100. I'm able to do that. However, (laughs) until, until I've expressed that it's my will to do so, you have no basis for faith. Did you hear what I just said? If I don't say that I'm willing, there's no basis for you to believe it. We have to know that God is able. And we know that. But is He willing? The basis for faith has to be in what He said. The devils believe He's able. We've got to move beyond devil faith. The scripture says this in Ephesians 5.17. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. The Bible says it's unwise to not know what the will of the Lord is. It's unwise. Man, if I know his will, I can believe him. I know he's able, but will he? Our basis for faith has to be, what is his will? How do I know his will? Two things. His will is in his word. If I can find it in the word, I know it's his will. Not just some random, you know, close my eyes and point out a scripture. I'm talking about, what does the Bible say? about my subject. Yeah, but do we have to go to the seminary? No. You just have to read it. Yeah, but it takes a long time. Well, then start tonight. We need to begin. What does the Bible say? And almost every good Bible has somewhere in it where there are scriptures that say, scriptures about this, and it gives you a subject and tells you scriptures you can find. What does the Bible say about healing? What does it say? Well, we've looked at lots of verses over the last several weeks. What what does it say? Finding his will begins with his word. I found out that God says what he means and means what he says. And if I take the time to get in the word, find out what does God say? You know, well, yeah, but I haven't been to Bible school. You know what? I learned a lot before I ever got to Bible school. When I went to Bible school, it kind of confirmed what I'd already studied and read. We need to know His will is His word. We find it in the word and we find it by the Spirit. I'm going to tell you, the most powerful thing I know about the Spirit is this. If I pray in tongues, I'm praying in the Spirit. And in the Spirit are the answers to every question I will ever hope to have. And as I pray in the Spirit, I'm praying the answer 
every time. And then eventually it gets from my spirit to my mind and I understand what the will of God is. Because the answer is in the spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead us. He guides us. He knows the way. He knows the answer. I mean, He guides us. Anytime I think that I've received an answer from the Spirit, that it contradicts the Word, then I know I haven't received a Word from God. Because sometimes, I try to help Him sometimes. And I try to make Him answer it the way I want Him to answer it. But we've got to understand, He is the one who's going to guide us. And when we pray in the Spirit, when we get in the Word, I'm going to tell you, we're going to find the will of God. Regarding healing, we've seen over the weeks that healing and forgiveness are always the will of God. Always the will of God. Yeah, but what if I don't get healed? I'm going to die believing it. We're going to stand with what God has said. I mean, we know that to be true. Even the demons know He is able. Now, they're making you work to believe that it may not be His will to heal you. They're trying to help you think he doesn't want to heal you. They're trying to help you think that, that it's your fault. Man, when I read through the Bible, I found Jesus healed people and it was their fault. He took care of them and it was their own fault. You know, it, it was hard to get leprosy in those days unless you came around a leper. It had to be your own fault if you got around a leper and got leprosy. But Jesus healed them. Healed them anyway. See, we need to know it's His will. The only basis for faith is knowing His will. We've got to base our faith on what He said. That's His will. Base our, base our faith on what the Spirit tells us. That, that, that's His will. A lot of people say, well, I just can't hear the voice of the Lord. Well, I'm going to tell you, that's a lie from the devil. You can hear His voice. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And the voice of a stranger they will not follow. We can know his voice. We can understand what he's saying. I mean, I, I was reading today, my daily Bible reading, that, that Paul, that, that Saul got, 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 was blinded and he went, went to Damascus and the Lord talked to this kid named Ananias. And it's amazing. The Lord said, you'll find him at this house on this street and he's blind and he's waiting for somebody named Ananias to come and lay hands on him. The Lord was so specific. Ananias wasn't an apostle. He wasn't a prophet. He was a certain disciple. And the Lord came and spoke to him and said, He's on this street in this house waiting for you. I'm like, if the Lord ever tells you, listen, He's waiting for Randy. So it kind of puts me in a box right there. God said I was going. He said, He's waiting for Ananias. He heard him specifically, heard him clearly, just like you and I can do. We're his disciples. We can hear him. It's got to be based not just on his ability, but we've got to be convinced of his will. Faith comes as we meditate in his word. Meditate. Pray in the spirit. We've got to hear the word. See the word. Say the word. Stay with the word no matter what else goes on. We've got to stay with what God has said. We need to be able to find the will of God. And we can believe that. Amen? Let's pray. Father, tonight I thank you that your word is true. I thank you tonight, God, that what you've said is what we can base our faith in.
We know, God, that your word is more true than every circumstance we face. We know tonight, Lord, that the facts come and go, but the truth is eternal, and you promised us that you forgive all of our iniquities, you heal all of our diseases. Tonight, we stake our claim in the will of God. We defy what we've been taught in the past about not being healed. We defy what we've experienced in the past, what we've seen in the past. We stake our claim on the Word of God. You are true. You cannot lie. We thank you tonight. Your promises are sure. Father, I praise you and honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.